The Ghostman Show on albionradio.com in nineteen sixty eight, alien abduction at Buff Ledge. On the late afternoon of the seventh of August nineteen sixty eight, two employees at Buff Ledge summer camp, a sixteen year old maintenance worker, Michael Lapp, and a nineteen year old ski instructor, Janet Colnell, were relaxing on the edge of a boat, watching slowly the setting sun dance on the water. The camp was set on the shores of Lake Chaplin over in Wilmot, just north of Burlington. As the sun bed well to the day and the night came in, Michael noticed a strange light in the distance. At first he was thinking of a star, and even a planet, he sat watching contently. Then the light suddenly dropped much lower to the ground, and that's more is moving towards the teenagers at an alarming rate. As a pair watched this outworldly performance, three separate lights detached from the first large glow. These lights would head directly towards the lake, while the li- larger light seemed to ascend again after quickly disappearing from the sight. The three glowing orbs zigzagged and danced between themselves over the shimmering waters below, pulling off moves that not a- an airplane or a helicopter could manage. As the teenagers continued to watch, the three shine lights moved closer to them. Then they formed a triangle shape, remained still for a second before two of them moved away slightly. As they did so, a sound rang out like a thousand junior rocks that caused considerable discomfort to the air. The remaining object suddenly shot upward before diving straight to the lake and vanishing beneath the surface. Then it reappeared and glided across the lake, heading straight for them. As the object continued to approach, Michael made out a transparent dome, seemingly on top of it. Inside the dome, he could make out two childlike creatures with elongated necks and large heads. He also noticed they had large eyes, which were stretched from side to their heads. As they moved closer, rising from the water, hovering directly over the unnerved teenage watching them, they fired a beam towards them. Michael grabbed Janet out of the way, forcing them both to the ground, away from the strange light. He later reported to memory shouting at the object, We don't want to go, as fears of stories of alien abduction filled his mind. He could recall he could see the bones in his hands, reviewing an x-ray with the brightness of the light beam. It passed closer to them. Each would recall it caused a floating sensation, even stranger. The lip the light itself seemed to have a liquid feel to it. Next thing the teenagers knew, they were sat calmly in a docking boating dock. Intense light was gone, and strange as it was no much further in the distance and heading away from them. The sky was no longer the dark blue of the early evening, but completely black. When Janet Michael turned to Janet, she appeared to be in chance. Both of them felt something somewhat disoriented and confused. Michael and Janet went and kept on seeing the sighting strictly to themselves, Maine and summer, and following the end of camp season, the two witnesses would depart back home and back to their individual plans and lives. After, over the years, Michael began to suffer increasing intense nightmares. It was the same, being deducted and not wanting to go. Dreams that eventually made him think about the incident above ledge. More and more, until eventually, ten years after the encounter, he would contact the Centre of UFO Studies to make a report.
UFO researcher Walter Webb, who who took on the case, almost immediately suggested hypnotic regression to get to the bottom of the nightmares, find out what happened to them. It appeared these memories were bubbling just below the surface, as Michael immediately recalled the instance as soon as he regressed. It is state that light seized both of them and lifted them on the board of craft. He recalled streams of approaching coloured lights, also noticing a wild line and nearer the craft he got. Once inside the craft, he could see Janet lying on the table under examination. Several of the smaller entities performed a the procedure. They would shed light, shine lights in each of their eyes, take samples of skin, hair and blood. He viewed the events with some kind of soup upper deck with one of the alien creatures beside him. He looked towards the transparent dome. You could see, see clearly Earth and Moon, an everlasting night of star, net of stars against the blackness of space. He also noticed a huge cigar-shaped craft, which he assumed was a mothership. We recall how the creatures all looked exactly the same, how their bodies had a damp and clammy look and feel to them. He estimated them were about five foot tall, with long, thin arms and legs. Their skin was a strange bluish blue, a similar colour to the skin tight green suits they wore, which made them appear as though they were naked. He would later recall they each had a three pointed web like digits for their hands. During this, the entity placed a fault in Michael's mind. Their mission was to make life like yours, other, other, other places. They impressed on this, his emanation was made clear, was much clearer. They wished as a life to be like their planet, without violence. We were still called one entity for surprise. The event, were you alert and asking questions, perhaps anonymously and correctly? The creature would state that because of this, it was difficult for him after the experience was over. Despite the situation, for reasons he didn't understand, Michael claims that the great infinity of closeness with a particular entity. The creature that led Michael down to a set of steps into the floor and housed the tabletop which Mike Janet lay. Then the creature led Michael to another table. It tilted slightly to allow him to lean against it before looking, returning to the horizontal position. The last thing he remembered, he was looking out a transparent dome, seeing the large cigar-shaped ship now much closer. Then he lost consciousness. During the investigation, Webb had managed to track down and convince Janet, now a 20, married 29-year-old, to undergo the same regression. She would describe what she described under, under hypnosis, collaborated in Michael's vision of events. Darling, she recalled lying on the examination table. It was a cold feeling of her. She also called feeling my, uh, my hair and pinching my neck. Furthermore, like Michael, she called following one particular entity referred to as a guy, which is only source of comfort throughout the experience. We also conduct expensive research for numerous ex-employees. Summer camp. I guess during the summer of 1968, he discovered several employees above ledger witnessed strange lights and objects over Lake Chaplin on the same evening, and Michael Janet claimed to have been abducted. Two other employees also reported to Webb they suspected they too were victims of being abducted. The incident was late early in the summer, several weeks before August incident of Michael and Janet. But he married, married theirs. A meeting with extraterrestrials, Eisenhower, 1954. On the night of early hours of February 
21st of February 1954, on a of Palm Springs, California, President Dwight Eisenhower went missing. Allegedly, he was taken to Edwards Air Force Base for a secret meeting. He showed up the next morning at a church service at the Los Angeles reporters. were told that he had emergency dental appointment. Treatment the previous evening and visited a local dentist. The dentist later appeared at the function in the evening and presented the dentist had been had, who treated Eisenhower. The missing night and morning subsequently fueled rumours Eisenhower was using the alleged dentist visit as a cover story for an extraordinary event. The event is possibly the first most most significant of any American president could have conducted allegedly first contact meeting Retrovestrals at Edwards Air Force Base, for previously Metro Air Base Field, beginning in a series of meetings with different ancestral races which led to a treaty eventually signed. This sudden machine first contact went, went, if it occurred, will experience its 50th anniversary, or did experience its 50th anniversary, in 2004. Paper explores the evidence that the first contact meeting had occurred when the extraterrestrials was a distinct nodic appearance. The light code of an agreement, having been spurned with this Noric race, has started a series of meetings that led the treaty eventually being signed with different extraterrestrial race dubbed the Greys. There is there is circumstantial and testable evidence supporting Andernau's meeting. With extraterrestrials. The most intriguing are circumstances surrounding Eisenhower's alleged winter vocation, Palm Springs. Firstly, the vocation for the president, which was announced after suddenly came less than a week after Eisenhower's coil shooting the vocation in Georgia. According to UFO researcher William Moore, all this is quite unusual, suggested there's more to one week visit to Palm Springs than a simple holiday. Second, on Saturday night, on February 20th, uh, President Eisenhower did go missing. Few press speculation taken ill or even died in a hasty convening press conference. Eisenhower's press secretary announced that Eisenhower had a loose cap, tooth cap, and while eating fried chicken, and was rushed to a local dentist. More investigation is included. A dentist visit was being used as a cover story for Eisenhower's true whereabouts. Consequently, Eisenhower was missing for a tight evening and could easily have been taken from Palm Springs to nearby Meadow Air Force. Gerald Light's letter to Eisenhower met with uh, extraterrestrials. Light described the circumstances of the meeting as follows. My dear friends, I returned from Meadow Edwards Air Force Base. The report is true, devastatingly true. I made a journey in company. With Franklin a- 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 Allen of the Hearst Papers and Edward- Edwin North of Brooklyn Institute, Truman's S. Wine Financial Advisor, and Bishop McInniger of LA, comfortable names of the, of the, for the President Park, please. When were you allowed to enter the restricted reception after about six hours, in which we checked every possible item? event, incident, and aspect of our personal and public lives. I had a distinct feeling the world had come to an end with fantastic realism, for I had never seen so many human beings in a state of complete collapse and confusion 
as we realised that their world, own world had indeed ended with such finality to be, as to beggar description. The reality that another plane air forms is now forever removed from the realms of speculation, speculation are made of rather painful part consciousness of every responsible scientific political group. During my two days visit I saw five separate and different types of aircraft being studied, handed, hounded by the, the Air Force officials with sister's mission of the Ephraim I had no words to express my reactions. It finally happened. It's now a matter of history. President Eisenhower, as you already know, respected away over to Murdoch one night during his visit to Armstrong recently. It is my conviction you ignore the terrific contact between the various authorities and go directly to the people via radio intention. The impasse continues much longer. Of course, there is no such formal announcement was made, and lights, supposed meeting, was never been the best state of the 20th century fabrication of elderly mystic known for out of the body's experiences. And that is all I can say about that. Weird Suffolk, a witch of which witch, whose ghost is said to roam a shop in Butter Market. An ancient woman is one of the few burnt at the stake for witchcraft, which is a very terrible, slow and painful way to die. It's possibly accounts for the fact she is said to return to haunt the town. Mary Lakeland's death by fire at Rashmere Hell Eve in 1645 is due to the fact the addition of satanic acts used of him go to treason, or which punishment was burning. According to the details of a trial, Lakeland, or Lake Lackland, sold herself to the devil, who had in turn supplied her free familiars in the shape of two little dogs and a mole. Mimps helped her wreak havoc, a prosecution claimed. Lady Evelyn Camille Glellen's 1986 book, Mother Lakeland of Itchwich in 1645, reads, In an old bearing the title of the laws against witches and conjurance, it was heard a curious statement reported to the confession of a famous witch of Itchwich, known as Mother Lakeland, Lakeland. According to this document, Mother Lakeland sold herself to the devil, and supplied her with three familiars in the shape of two little dogs and a mole, she practised first on her husband, who was last lying along in great misery, died, went on, a mis- on to Mr. Lawrence of Itchwich and his children, tormenting him to death by his sorceries, all on account of the former asking her for some ten and twelve shillings she owed him. And Mrs. Jennings was also alone, done to death by the mole of aforesaid. Mrs. B- Mr. Bill of Itchwich suffered for much such as a her hands, a fine new ship owed by him, the burnt before it went to sea, and himself reduced to a mere skeleton by a man of machinifications. Mary thought she had been in her fifties and wife or widow of an itchwitch barber, John, who was an unlikely target for witch hunk. Pious and godly thought that the dedication law might have been viewed suspicion that she was linked with one of one of the literature's radical sects, 
with congregates in Ipswich. They accused her of being legal. The devil came at the same time as witchfire her. During all my few outgoings, was at work at Great Yarmouth in Norfolk, where eighteen people had been executed in just one day, along with a woman said to be her accomplice, Alice Demain Mary, was accused of crimes which included the murder of her husband, William Lawrence, and her son, and a maidservant of Mrs. Jenkins, of being illness and surviving havoc, lives of Henry Reed, who courted them, spurned her daughter. UFOs are when an egg reserve. The Roswell at the Rampios. January 11th, 1966. And the over the suburban town of Winnipeg, NJ. The air was clear, kids were enjoying their holiday. Little did they know that that day was something would happen, something fantastic. It started late the early evening, a Tuesday night, about 6 a.m. The winter sun was already gone, long gone. Past on the Rivergong Reserve Reservoir, behind the dark, dark and rampo mountain range, World Crew Patrolman Joseph Simco was in his cruiser when he called from Clinton Lake St. Patrick, Cambridge Police Radio. It was a portal of glowing light, possibly a fire. Then, as it right out of a sci fi movie, heard these words People in Oakland, Ringwood, Patterson, Toadua, and Burtler. Clean there's a flying saucer over in Winner Winnerkew. I pulled in a sandpit, an open area, of to get my bearings. There was a light that looked bigger than any of the stars, about the size of softball or volleyball, pulsating white, stationary light, changing to red. It stayed in the air, but there's no noise. I tried to figure out what it was. Winnipeg Mayor Harry T. Wolf, Chairman William Hagstorm, and Arthur Burton, a mayor's, 14-year-old daughter, Billy, on their way to oversee the burning of Barrow's Christmas trees. They heard a report that something very white, very bright, and much bigger than a star was hovering over Winnacoo Reservoir. They decided to pull their sand back near Raymond Dam at Headworks to meet Officer Sinko and get a better look at it. A mayor's son, Billy, spotted the object at once flying low and guiding oddly over the vast horizon, frozen lake. Like a huge star. Didn't flicker, but he told reporters the next day it was a continuous light that changed from white to red to green and back to white. The following was totally strange, Mayor Wolfs would later recall. The next thing that that officer Chris Seco remembers is patrol car radio going bananas as a calls from all over 20 mile radius flooded into police headquarters. Seco radioed officer George Batman. The nearby patrol, just a bit with received Chico's message, two dangers came looking up to his patrol car, shouting, Look, look! At that moment, Winnipeg Civil Defence Director Bentley Spencer drove up to a CD member, Richard Vanderman. A police radio is all jammed up. What the heck is it? Never seen anything like it in my life. Back at the sandpit, Joseph Sitter's radio crackled as another unbidden message came. I see a word. Something's burning a hole in the ice. Something with a bright light on it. Going up and down as other transmission but fought its way through the din. Oh boy, something's just landed in front of the dam. Spencer, the reservoir employee, 
Fred had saved, raced the top of the dam, Raymond Dam, with his glass seeing a bolt of light shooting down, attracted to the water, like a beam emitted from a pole. Patrolman Caesar, Mayor, and the Wolfie and to- Town Councilman Hulk Storm and Bolton climbed up to the top of the dam. Get a better look. There is something up there. There was something awful bright. We didn't know what it was. We thought it was like a, a helicopter. We didn't hear them a motor. It looked like a helicopter with big lights on. We got goosebumps all over us and we saw there was a hole was. Gordon did on subtle. Another witness. It was there. I saw it. Brilliant white. Project two or three feet across the colour. No, no, not colour, shade. It kept changing. Cruise residents had been listening to their over to their police scanners when could great the entrance of reservoir hoping to catch a glimpse of them. Mysterious flying object. Traffic slowed, crawl. They stopped altogether as motorists watched the people agape. The vehicles windows. Res- reservoir police lieutenant George Dissero was forced to close the main gate of the reservoir to keep uh, the swarms of onlookers converged from the north and south of Ringwood Avenue. People were coming up out of the woodwork. New Melbourne, it sped off to southeast. He hovered briefly over Lake Lynn Regional High School into the Mid Valley section of town. Where burning Christmas trees from the UFO continued southwest direction. January 12, 1966, one day after the initial sighting, Patrolman Jack Weldon reported seeing a bright white disc floating in the vicinity of his home in Stonewood Town. Sergeant David Sisko was on patrol at 6.30am that evening when the UFO nervously holding it to view. It glided the street faster than the jet, he told reporters. When it rose, it went straight up. Reservoir Guard, a former Redwood policeman, Charles Tennant, Theodore, and Sika went to the top of the dam take a look at the bright light. We looked across the water and saw a similar-shaped object. It was moving back and forth like a rocking chair motion. We were astonished. A few minutes later, the object straight, straight into the night sky until it was indistinguishable from the other stars. Theodore said he didn't hear a sound while the night show was going on. I don't believe it was UFOs. I thought it was a lot of bull. October 10th, 1966. Another occurrence has come. First reported sighting came shortly after 9pm on that evening of the Monday and 10th when Roger J. Gordon of Plumden Lakes and wife Betty saw what described as a single saucer-shaped object about the size of an automobile, glowing with bright brilliance. At first thought it was a star, but it seemed to be moving. It had a definite pattern. It moved to the left of the t- the, the tower, then moved directly to the tower. Make quite sure it's not a star planet. An officer of the Prompton Lake Falls Joint called police headquarters requested for a drama and be detached. Officer Lynn Wetback responded and told the saucer was already gone. The Gordons and the neighbours, Lorraine Vega, also witnessed the UFO, told Wetback the object was headed to the direction of Willamette Creek Reservoir. The officer ranged Winnipeg police and well notified Sergeant Ben Thompson, a six-year veteran, six-year veteran. Thompson pulled out his car in his amazement. The UFO lights headed towards him. 
He pulled his cruiser over at Scuba Swamp near the dead man's curved stretch of Westbrook Road. I saw the old was coming at me. There was a stream of light light. It was bright white light. White light, bright light when the Murray bulb was about to blow. Very low. It seemed to be about 75 feet over the mountain. It would be when the wind being mountain. It was travelling any quicker, very quickly, a definite pattern. First way right up and then down, and repeatedly the pattern. Distance was deceiving, but it might have covered an area of about half a mile. It went straight over my head, stopped in mid-air, and backed right up. Then started zigzagging from left to right. It was doing tricks, making acute angular turns instead of gradual curved ones. It's like as big as a parachute. I got out of my car and continued to watch it for almost five minutes. It was about 250 yards away. It was the shape of a base basketball, and the centre scooped out the fo- football, thrust through it. Something, sometimes the ball appeared to be perpendicular to the basketball, and sometimes standing up on end. The two different gadgets didn't look at much nice, but it was moving. It raised the water beneath it. I watched it manoeuvre, stirring up brush and water in the reservoir. It was about 500 feet up. I had difficulty seeing because the light was so bright, blinded me. At this point, our motorists along Whistbrook Road began to notice a strange light hovering in the sky, stopped their cars to get a better look at it. Fearing a collision, Thompson went back to the patrol car to turn on a red dome light to the warning. The wood instantly started to flash. He remembers that Edwards fled, sped away over his river and went passing over the horizon, disappeared. After three or four minutes, it went out as a, a light bulb had been turned on. It seemed that it had gone right into the mountain. I dumbfounded as more than a little frightening. Back at Wenham police station, telephones were were going off the hook with calls of nervous employee. And residents have called in sightings and asked for answers. The switches were completely jammed, called an officer at Winnipeg Reservoir Station. So was Plinton Lake. There was more than just about 150 calls. There was numerous cover-ups and denials of the events. And various witness reports to this event. As for the fidelity, well, it was mentioned in the local paper of the time. You've been listening to The Ghostman Show on AlbionRadio.com. This has been a UFO special. Do you believe in UFOs? you like little green men? Oh, in some cases, little grey men. I think they do exist. I cannot prove it. But there's enough evidence out there that three or four uh, hundred sightings, at least three could be or four could be totally genuine. So do I want to dismiss it? No. Do I think it could possibly happen that uh, 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 alien aircraft would land in my back garden? Probably not. If it did, what would I do? I don't know. I'd probably panic. Would I call the police? Probably. Would I go out and say hi? I probably would try, but I could. My wife would let me. I'd go, hello, Mr. Alien, how are you? I'd probably get zapped. And, and, and nothing left but a pile of dust. And then World War III would break out. No, not really. 
not every, like every film. He may come in peace. We don't know. That's the beauty of not knowing nothing about aliens. We only know his conjecture. That's all we know. How many stories are true? I don't know. I've never been abducted by an alien. Have you been abducted by an alien? Anybody listening? Have you seen a UFO like locally or near you? Hmm, I wonder if you have. I think you have. Yeah, you over there, fisting in the corner, having a cup of coffee and your biscuits. You definitely look like you've been abducted by an alien. We look like it, anyway. What do you mean you're not? That's very rude. No need to do that. Well, I shan't be putting that on the podcast. That was very rude. Sorry about that, folks. Back to my radio show. Um, yes, this is a bit. I just called a filler bit. Why do I call it a filler bit? Because I'm near the end. And it's not worth going into much other details than I need to go into. So... We reach the end of another exciting episode of the Ghostman Show, available on albionradio.com, the number one station to listen to in the entire world, universe and beyond. And if you careful, if you wish to make any complaints, please go to the planet Galifax on the third dimensional universe, which is only... 50 billion years, light years from Earth. It's only a mere few seconds. Go into the office, ask for a red form, and then you have to get a blue form and a pink form. And then all the forms are put together and they may be applied in the next 50 millenniums. So, look forward to your complaint if you have one. And tatty bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Please listen in. To the next show. Bye bye, everybody. Bye bye.